I've always been a man of extremes, so it's tough to find moderation. But at the end of the day, I think that's where true happiness and productivity can lie. So, Mike, to, to summarize, would you say, in a nutshell, you do what you want to do, you say what you want to say, you live how you want to live, and you play how you want to play? God, you know, Nick, it's like you're just pulling pulling the thoughts right out of my brain, Nick. Mike, what if I told you, now go with me on this, that those weren't thoughts in your brain. I mean, they could be, but in addition, they might be part of the lyrics of the song that we're talking about today. Nick, I'd call you, I'd, I'd say that's pretty spooky, that you that you would be able to link what I just said into the song we're talking about today. That's, as, you know, as, <laughs> as the person whose episode this actually is, I feel much aggrieved that I am not in control about what's happening here. I had a much better intro that I was waiting to do, but no, go ahead, whatever, guys. Oh, thank you, Steve. Uh, yes, Steve is obviously okay with that, with no sarcasm in there, so... I suppose we should say welcome to the Songtopsy Report, the podcast where we dissect bad, bizarre, or otherwise noteworthy music to figure out how it died. I'm your host, Nick Brigadier. I'm Mike Russell. And I am the altogether ooky Steve Trollinger. <laughs> the, the ooky? <laughs> what does ooky mean to you, Steve, before we get into the episode? Ooky is a state of mind, Nick. It says it says it it showcases your apathy towards the world's agreed upon conventions and your embracing of your own personal manifesto about how to live life. That actually seems pretty accurate. I mean, so, so when they say ooky kooky, they're talking about it's like a cookie that really brings about Who says ooky kooky? Oh, maybe it's ooky kooky. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, listeners can urban dictionary that for a good laugh. About oh, by that. the way, listeners, we're talking about the Adams family. <laughs> yes, we should probably stop tiptoeing around it for the people who haven't read the title of this episode. Yes, in continuing with the fact it is October, uh, i.e., the best month of the year, we are getting into more ooky spooky, or as Mike would say, ooky spooky. Bookie, uh, music, <laughs> and uh, one of the songs was, and I'm so glad, I think, Steve, you were the one who reminded me that this song existed, uh, this MC Hammer Immortal hit that was the tie-in to the 1991 film adaptation of The Addams Family. Actually, you know, Nick, at this point in time, he was just going by Hammer. Just, <gasps> That's uh, right. If you yes. want to be as accurate as possible. Yes. And you always want to be as accurate as possible when you're discussing Hammer. Or when using a hammer, as I've discovered to my painful detriment on a number of different occasions. So is that was that his name before he decided to jump on the mic? He just I'll get up? to that, Mike. Don't worry. <laughs> There's plenty of talk about hammer to go around. <laughs> um, well, I suppose we should play a little bit of it because I needed to be reminded of what the song even sounded like because it had been a very long time since I saw the movie, uh, The Adams Family, in which the song plays during the end and, credits. And yes, I know this comes exactly one episode after I already did a Night at the Movies themed episode. But you know what, audience? It's I'm part of the show. It's my call. So go screw yourselves. All right? You don't tell me what to do. If I want to do a whole nother episode that has a movie tie-in but not have it related to the tie-in movie episode, that's my call. That's right, Steve. This yes. podcast isn't about entertaining our listeners. It's about us and what we want. Yeah, that's what it means to be all together ooky, guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's hear a little bit of the uh, Adam's Groove, as the song is called. I love that. I love kick and slap a friend. You know, there there is something. Uh, have you guys ever slapped a friend? Whether it's a back slap, a face slap, a stomach slap, a pink belly, you know what I mean? Like, have you ever slapped a friend? I can't say that I have. I usually just say, like, hello to my friends. That's usually my greeting. But, if you uh, Now, maybe this is just me. Maybe this is just how I was raised. Maybe this was just uh, the, the mountains of the Adirondacks out in the, the boonies of New York. But I always found 
Oh, actually, no, that's not even true. Because even in Jersey City the other day, <laughs> like a, a close friend of mine, I don't know. We had, we had a little slap contest. And I feel like that you can only do that with either a mortal enemy or a true friend. You know, the truest friend. I, I don't want to go into too much of a tangent because I know Steve has so much research for this song. But do you remember the chain of events that led to you and this friend saying, you know what? We should get in a slap fight. <laughs> well, there was seven hours of drinking <laughs> prior. Of course. All right, thank you, yeah. Mike. Moving no, on. I... <laughs> I, you don't even need to say that part. That's like when you're telling a story about your day and you started with, and the, uh, first I woke up. I got that part. I, that part was sort of like baked into the story. You didn't need to say it out loud. You know what, though? I need, no, because th- that's a good point, Steve. And that's the thing. I don't want to be linked so heavily to the good old, the good old beverage of booze because, because, I got a lot like, of other well, vices I could talk about. about. Is the story about the booze or is the story about me, Mike Russell? And the truth is, I got in plenty of slap fights in high school with no booze involved. So yeah, that's, let's you tell not, me. You yeah, tell I, I, me. I, I don't need to be you. drunk to get in a slap fight. I'll do it stone cold sober. <laughs> You're goddamn right I will, Nick. You yeah. set me straight, Mike. Steve, we digress. Um, you have brought some research to the table for how this song came into existence. Uh, so, the Adams Family... <laughs> America's greatest fictional family, in my humble opinion. Um, There's a certain bunch you... of Bradys who would beg to differ, Steve. Oh. Uh, yeah, and they would all run kicking and screaming and shoving each other into the bushes away from the Adams family house. So. You, you know, uh, it's funny. Both families pulled a lot of taboos, in my opinion, right? Oh, yeah, you that know? bestiality <laughs> episode of the Brady Bunch is still pretty, pretty infamous to this day. Jesus Christ, <laughs> Oh wait, what I mean, taboos are you, what taboos are you talking about? Sorry, I, mean, I've, I think they really kicked off the whole step sibling uh, hooking up on Pornhub. Like, I think, Mike. I think. Are you referencing the film adaptation from yeah, the nineties? Yeah, which was hilarious. But I mean, it was a show prior to that. Oh God, wait, but Steve, Steve, please, please continue. Yeah, there's. Look, wait, don't. I, I'm not. I'm gonna sit here and talk about an old sitcom that got turned into a famous movie. But it's not going to be that sitcom that got turned into a famous movie, all right? I already have one of them. So how much do you guys actually know about the Adams Family themselves? Okay. Like their origins, their uh, anything. I know I really feel like Gomez because my pillar of the languages of love is touch. And boy, does he love his wife. I'm going to tell you what. Most people, I think most people should really look at how Gomez treats his lady and understand that that's that's love. That is that is a, or at least one of the loves now, out Nick, there. Nick, you're you're you've, you're making a face that no one else can see, but I can see. Uh, <laughs> you you may not even know you're making it, but you're making it. And I'm gonna step in to defend Mike from the facial tongue lashing you just gave him. Uh, he's absolutely right. He's absolutely oh. right. <laughs> Next to the step sibling stuff, Mike was talking about facial tongue lashing is Mike's second most looked at Pornhub search. <laughs> but Mike is Mike is totally right. The um the actual one of the one of the sort of like facets of this family that sort of seeped into culture was this notion that heretofore was unseen at least until the TV show got started uh of a like the fact that you could be married to your spouse and still have you know still be insanely attracted to them and have you know like so much TV you know you've got all of these TV shows where like it's the husband and the wife and they just kind of tolerate each other. But like this was the first time on television you could actually show a fa- like a married couple being very attracted to each other, which wasn't a thing up until then. But also, Steve, this was if correct me if I'm wrong, based on a comic strip, then made into a sitcom, then made into the '90s movies. I was actually made into a sitcom and then made into a cartoon and then made into another sitcom and then made into another cartoon and then made into a movie. Jesus, okay. And and also, they teamed up with Scooby-Doo at some point. Uh, but that's not the hero there. Um, so the Adams Family <laughs> are created by uh, cartoonist Charles Adams for the New Yorker magazine in 1938, and they appeared in over 150 single-panel cartoons from that date until Charles Adams' death in 1988. Uh, the first one... Uh, Nothing is funnier than describing a New Yorker cartoon through the means of audio. Nothing is funnier than that. So I'm going to do it here. The very first Adams Family 
cartoon was a single panel of a vacuum salesman trying to sell Morticia and Gomez on a newfangled vacuum cleaner. The joke being that around you saw the house around them like covered in cobwebs in disrepair with monsters and crap everywhere. And he was telling them about how this vacuum makes a house a home. And it was that was the that was the gag was uh, uh, just a one-off gag, but it proved very popular. So he came back and he did similar one panel gags like that for the next, you know, uh, 50 years or so. Um, and uh, Charles Adams is kind of a kooky guy himself. Um, he, first of all, the family was inspired, uh, the family and their home was inspired by his own childhood hometown of Westfield, New Jersey, uh, which was... Oh, I heard it was in New Jersey. Yeah. And I was like, dang. Which was populated by all sorts of ornate Victorian homes and archaic Gothic graveyards. Uh, and in fact, there are a few interpretations of the Adams family where their home is placed in New Jersey or the New York, New Jersey area. Um, Adams himself lived in a very similar house and engaged in some Adams family behavior. And in one story he tells, he said, we had a dumb waiter in our house and I'd get inside on the ground floor and then very quietly I'd haul myself up to grandmother's floor and then I'd knock on the door. And when she came to open the door, I'd jump out and scare the wits out of her. <laughs> <laughs> was the thing Charles Adams would routinely do to his aged grandmother. And I'm sure that she had hard problems poorly. for the rest of her life. <laughs> um, Adams based uh, Morticia's appearance, for instance, on his first wife, Barbara Jean Day, and married his second wife, Estelle Barb, who was also a Morticia clone. Uh, oh, so he had a type. He had a type, yeah, is what I'm saying. Uh, he married, and then he married his third wife after he divorced Estelle Barr because she was a lawyer and swindled him, swindled him out of his TV and movie rights for the family. Uh, Holy she, how shit. Did, how did she yeah. manage that? She how was did a, she do She that? was a lawyer, and he was a cartoonist. That's how you manage it. God, I'm telling you what, I dated a lawyer once, and I'm glad that didn't work out. She would have taken me to the goddamn cleaners, dude. Um, so he, they divorced, and then he married his third wife, Marilyn Matthews Miller, who also looked like Morticia, and they got married in a local cemetery. Uh, so the man lived oh, the life. Yeah. in the cemetery. Nothing the man like lived the life he drew. Like, he drew from what he knew, which was this. Uh, Actually, you know, I respect that. He had a, another couple of fun Charles Adams facts. He was friends with Alfred Hitchcock uh, and also dated Jackie Kennedy after her husband's death. He, yeah, he lived a life, basically, Wait, is what I'm saying. What? Yeah. They, she they dated, dated a Kennedy? A he dated Jackie Kennedy. Jacqueline <laughs> Kennedy Onassis. He dated her after Holy JFK died. Sh Jesus Christ. Yeah. So the guy had a life. Um, so the Adams family was created. That would, that would be right up his alley, though. What do you talk about at that date? Like, oh, so, uh, so, uh, so you like parades? Like, no, 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 no. No, Mike, it's it's got to it's gonna stay in the episode. That I'm sorry, you said it. Oh, now God. it stays in. No. I tried to move on with some more fun facts, but you had to say that out loud. <laughs> you you know what? But that would have been a classic. He spills it out. Goes, oh wait, no, 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 no. You ever do that? You get you just like your brain starts firing and you don't really think about it. That's all. Oh, wait, That's... Mike, you mean every time you sit down to record a podcast? Oh God. You know, I, I removed the filter for you boys. I do. Okay, I'm, go ahead. I'm gonna See move you. on so Mike doesn't start talking about the grassy knoll and how a perfect a place it is for a romantic picnic spot. Um the Adams family were created as a satirical inversion of the ideal American family. For instance, rather than a typical middle-class family, the Adams come from old, like old-world money. They don't have to work. Uh, they engage in bizarre and macabre, but uh, ultimately fun things, rather than you know, like the baseball and apple pie life. And then the main part of the joke is that despite these outward appearances, the family themselves are never super dark or sinister, but rather a well-functioning and healthy family unit. Gomez and Morticia, they're very passionate towards each other, as Mike said. Um, they're kind and supportive to their children's interests. Uh, the Adams are ever, Adamses are ever exemplary hosts to any who come to their door. It's always the people, the people that come to their door that have the problem with it. They're, they're, they're never, it's never like, 
they're never trying to murder anyone, but everyone doesn't, the people that come to their house don't get what they're into, which actually <laughs> leads to the, this fun fact that the Adams family was the beginning of American goth subculture. Um, they, that, that's where that subculture really had its first foothold in the minds of Americans. This idea that you could be this type of person, but still be not pigeonholed. But, or Ravenhold, as they describe or Ravenhold, it. yes. But that other people's reaction to your culture is what defines them, not necessarily what defines you. You know, I, I think I would think, I would, because I was a huge fan of the Adams Family and Beetlejuice, all this gothic kind of like themed stuff. <clears throat> Loved it so much and always was like, these ladies, whoo, <laughs> like, okay. So, but even aside from like the whole thing seems like a lot of fun, right? And I liked yeah, that. Yeah, it's but supposed it was, to be fun. And it was so not what like my house was. It was like totally different. And I was really, I was always really into that. And I think, I don't know, I think it really, God, even, oh, I like how you said Ravenhold from like the Teen, was that from like the Teen Titans there? No, because Steve, Steve said they were pigeonholed. Oh. So I said, wouldn't it be Ravenhold? Yes. Um, but no, Mike, I agree 100%. Like, why, like, I think the nice thing about a gothic aesthetic is why not interject a little bit of pageantry and ornateness with, like, a little bit of tongue-in-cheek dark humor to go with it? That's just fun. It's just fun. It's all about fun. And it became more fun. Uh, oh, boy. When the cartoon family was adapted most famously in a dark comedy sitcom called The Addams Family, that aired on ABC between 1964 and 1966. The sitcom was very unique at the time for its tone and its general aesthetic. Oh, and, tell me you're playing it. Yeah. And actually built up much of the mythology of the family that people are familiar with because the cartoons never provided backstory or narrative. In fact, the characters didn't even have names until the sitcom. Really? Charles Adams never even bothered coming up with names for the characters until he had to for the purposes of the sitcom. And that's where, you, that's where he came up with Gomez, Morticia, their children, Wednesday and Pugsley, Uncle Fester, which in most adaptations are, is Gomez's brother, except in the TV show where he was Morticia's maternal uncle. Uh, Grandmama, which is portrayed, she's portrayed in differing adaptations as either Gomez's mother or Morticia's mother. Uh, the butler Lurch. Pugsley had a pet octopus in the cartoon named Aristotle that wasn't really used much later on. And in later editions, the disembodied hand thing and Gomez's cousin, it. Um, and perhaps most famously, the most famous aspect of the show was its theme song, written and arranged by TV and film composer Vic Mizzy, who also composed the Green Acres theme, known for its harpsichord-heavy sound and, as we'll see, percussion finger snaps. Carolyn Jump! They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They're all together, ooky. The Adams Family. The house is a museum when people come to see them. They really are a scream. The Adams Family. Neat. Sweet. <laughs> the teeth. So get a witch's shawl on, a broomstick you can crawl on. We're gonna pay a call on. The Adams Family. Ah, what a classic. It was like 35 <clears throat> seconds long, so I figured we'd just play the whole thing. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. I, I love, I love this song. I loved how everyone knew it. Everybody knew it. You could just start, start cranking this out and people would be snapping right along with you anywhere you went. It I was... know one of the immortal debates is which theme is better, the Munsters theme or the Adams Family. And I feel like the Munsters instrumentally is just more interesting and enjoyable to listen to, but the Adams Family is the most memorable. The fact that they have just just two snaps, and you immediately <clears throat> know the theme. Like that's a, that's some genius, insidious songwriting. Yeah. And what was interesting about it is that the Munsters, the Adams Family, the show came about in direct reaction to the Munsters. The well, I think it was on NBC. Uh, the the Monsters was going to come out, and ABC wanted to counteract the programming, which is why they went and uh, they went to uh, Charles Adams and his family as a, a starting point for an equally weird, like, kooky, macabre family. 
It's a real so the whole deep reason, impact yeah. Armageddon. Yeah, the whole real that's the whole reason that it exists in the form that we are familiar with because they were like, "Oh crap, we got to compete with the monsters." Well, and I'll tell you what, as a now watched both a lot. Probably even watched the monsters more, but was a bigger fan. This doesn't make sense, I know, but like <laughs> it was just how my Nick at Night was working as a kid. Uh but always really liked the Adams family and I liked them because they despite how in, insane some of the antics could be or unreal, they were all people, right? And the monsters, they're all monsters. Like, they're all legit monsters. What? And I was like... They were? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I just felt like the Adams Family was a little bit more believable as something that could exist in the yeah, they were actual just reality. Weird, old money, rich eccentrics who didn't have to work, so they could just... They're very Keynesian in a way. I recently listened to a podcast about John Maynard Keynes, the economist, and like his whole philosophy was like he wanted an economy built in such a way that it would afford everyone what was considered at the time like an English middle class lifestyle, where it's not quite American, more in the sense that like you would still have like a servant and you would be wealthy enough that you like could work if you wanted to, but you would like you're not stupid rich, but you're rich enough that you can like devote your life to any other pursuit like music or, in the case of the Adams Family, fencing, monster collection. <laughs> Did that economic guillotines. model take into account what those servants were supposed to be doing? No, of course not. <laughs> They're literal zombies. <laughs> they just exist. Yeah, just like Lurch. He's a, he's a literal zombie. Hey, he's part of the family. He is. The family takes care of him and he takes care of them. It's a very symbiotic relationship. But one of the one of the I think the thing we're gonna get to now, obviously, is the adaptation that most people our age are probably familiar with, which was the 1991 film adaptation, uh, directed by Barry Sonnenfeld and uh, starring Raul Julia, Angelica Houston, Christopher Lloyd as uh, Uncle Fester. Oh, and Christopher Gomez. Lloyd! That's right. Uh, and as with all things 90s, if you're gonna make a super popular movie and you want that movie to really hit home with the kids of America, you gotta have a fun rap song. A dissection is imperative. <laughs> and who was the biggest name in rap at the time in 1991? But a man I can't believe we've gone 140-some-on episodes without ever discussing, MC Hammer and the Adam's Groove. And we'll play... Uh, we'll start playing that now. We'll get into some MC Hammer facts later. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't mean this, right? Just kidding, right? Just kidding, just kidding. I know what to do. <laughs> I'm laughing, right? You're losing your head. I mean, I'm losing my head. Steve, I have a few quick questions right off the bat. Now, first Shoot. off, for the listeners, that the, the music video starts with MC Hammer getting decapitated by Wednesday Adams. That's that's right off the bat how they start. Secondly, yeah, also play along, by the way, audience. I know we we hate to do this and we don't do it too often, but this music video is a gem and you should be watching it. <laughs> Especially as it goes Just on. Just turn it on and listen with us. Like but <laughs> also, Steve, we have the lyrics pulled up, and I want to confirm with you if this is accurate. The lyrics are they do what they want to do. Say what they want to say, live how they want to live, play how they want to play, dance how they want to dance, and then this is the question: kick and they slap a friend, the Adams family. Yeah. What? I mean, it. This could be one of those cases where there's a cultural divide between what the Adams family considers to be fun, enjoyable scampery, and what the rest of us do. I mean, Mike has already shown his Adams nature by apparently reliving some glorious slap fights that he had yes! with his good friends. Yes! Are you kidding? Look, kicking and slapping a friend, it can be nice. It can be nice. <laughs> It I mean, Nick, Nick, you say you 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 seem to be having this very anti Adams uh, freak out to this notion. But haven't you had friends who thought it would be funny to just sort of like back tap you in the nuts with the back of their hands 
Like, has that not ever been a thing? Uh, that's a that's more of a male thing, I know. But <laughs> like, there are what you say. Our are... lady listeners haven't been tapped in the nuts by their friends. Look, Maybe I'm sure have. the ladies have been. Uh, what, what's the the old the old box punch? The old um... rabbit punch? The twat swat? Ah, uh, the tw- the twat swat. There we go. Thank you, Steve. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what every sleepover where a bunch of middle school like girls would <laughs> hang out. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, uh, no, I know. I, I know. Ladies would get punched in the boob too, man. Like, but. Um, Steve, I think you may uh, misunderstand. My question about that lyric isn't, like, the weirdness of that activity. It just seems very out of sync with the motif that the chorus was establishing. Like, do what they want to do, say what they want to say, live how they want to live. They're taking the the same descriptor and applying it twice. And then at the very end, they just suddenly say, kick and they slap a friend. That just feels a little bit out of sync with what the rest of the chorus was. If I can... I, yes. Nick, I believe, maybe you're right, I think the lyric should have been, live how they want to live, wait, wait, do what they want to do, say what they want to say, live how they want to live, dance how they want to dance, play how they want to play, and then kick and slap a friend. So it's linked more to the last thing that was said. Because that's Why don't they just around. say kick who they want to kick? Kick who they want to kick, slap who they want to slap, the Adams Family, is that... Shh. Sure. It could be referencing the fact that in the course of the movie, um, spoiler alert, the plot of the movie, uh, Uncle Fester had disappeared for years and is an amnesiac and is reintroduced to the family, uh, but they don't know if he's real or an imposter or not. Uh, and at a certain point, Gomez yeah. dances the Mamushka, which yes. is the the Adams family, uh, uh, you know, like fraternal dance of eternal brotherhood. And in the course of that, they throw knives at each other. They slap each other in the face. They do little fun little kicks with each, like kicking each other's like ankles and things like that. So maybe it's referencing the mamushka. Oh, I, th- I didn't even know that, Steve. And I think you're right. <laughs> that's what it's about. That's got. It's got to be about the mamushka. And that's culture, Nick. <laughs> yeah, Nick. You uncultured so and so. Okay, look, look, look. I, I, I will check my privilege when it comes to the importance of the mamushka. Um, so I, I have a lot of MC Hammer facts. I won't obviously get into them all. Uh, but MC Hammer, for those of you who just sort of see him as this weird, like cultural figure, you don't know him as a person. Uh, you know him MC- as a parachute, pair of parachute pants. That's well, even that's incorrect. Parachute pants are not the same as hammer pants. Oh, my God. I think I always get them confused. Yeah, everyone does. Again, so, see, people don't know the man. I don't uh, know Hammer the way he needed to be known. MC Hammer, born Michael Collins Hamner. No, I'm just kidding. He was born <laughs> uh, He was born in Oakland, California, as Stanley Kirk Burrell, as an American rapper, dancer, and record producer. Uh, some quick th- facts thrown at you. Grew up with his mother and eight siblings in a three-bedroom housing project. So the man lived, you know, like he was, he was, you know, he grew up poor, which might explain, you know, people who grow up without any money. Once you get money, you start spending that money because you just never had it before. Uh, I know whenever I get a little bit of extra money, I tend to go, I tend to go buck wild, I believe the, the phrase is. Oh, yeah. And well, what, was the, what was the last thing you really went crazy on buying, Steve? I didn't end up doing it. I stopped myself this one time, but I almost bought a replica movie prop Rocketeer jetpack. Uh, I stopped myself from wow. that. Only stopped, the, Steven, the only thing that stopped Stephen, the only thing, the only way he was able to stop himself was when he found out right at checkout that it was not a functioning jetpack. It wasn't functional. Uh, I couldn't use it. And just, then I'd have to, I'd have to build it from scratch because it was a 3D print, and it, I didn't have space for it. But one day it will be mine. Um, so hope your wife selling, isn't listening. <laughs> no, she's perfectly fine with it as long as there's a place for it. It's not in the living room. Uh, so. <laughs> That's how he grew up uh, selling. He uh, grew up grew up in Oakland. Uh, one day while selling stray balls and dancing in the Oakland A's parking lot for money, he was spotted by the team owner, Charles Finley, who hired him as a bat boy and assistant. Now, Finley lived in Chicago, so Burrell would end up serving as his eyes and ears, and then player Reggie Jackson would eventually take credit for coming up with the nickname Hammer due to Burrell's resemblance to Hank Aaron, the baseball player who was nicknamed the Hammer, which you may or may not remember from our baseball episode, Nick. I've oh, forgotten everything from that episode. We're, we're going to talk about the baseball. 
Um, the MC part, uh, which stands for Master of Ceremonies, would later be added on as he began performing in more clubs. Uh, he was unable to follow his original dream of being a Major League Baseball player, and he became disillusioned with his college life, so he eventually joined the Navy, serving for three years before being honorably discharged. Now, by honorably, the mid-80s... Honorably. Honorably. Yeah, honorably I, had a, you know, I had a urologist who was honorably discharged. What happened to MC Hammer? I mean, honorable discharge just means you get to leave without having done anything wrong. Mike, honorable discharge is what you were diagnosed with. That wasn't the <laughs> urologist. No, that that discharge was anything but honorable, Nick. It was painful. Okay. Okay. <laughs> there was no was, honor in it. That's what I was trying to avoid talking about. By the mid eighties, <laughs> by the mid eighties, Hammer had started his own label with loan money from some Oakland A's players. Started billing himself as MC Hammer. Switched up his style, billing himself and his music as more pop rap as opposed to the mainstream rap at the time, uh, which, coupled with his unique dancing abilities and his style of dress and presentation, made him an instant standout in the industry, which led to his signing with Capitol Records in 1988. Now, at the time, he was friends with both Arsenio Hall and an up-and-coming rapper by the name of Robert Van Winkle, soon to be called Vanilla Ice, and... <sighs> Like, yep, they were friends, and Like Ice was dinged by many in the rap genre for his excessive song sampling. But unlike Ice, Hammer also spent a lot of his first couple of albums peppering his songs with disses against East Coast rappers like LL Cool J, Run DMC, and our friend Doug E. Fresh. <laughs> and uh, believe it or not, he would also be defended from these attacks by Ice T who shouted him out on his 1991 album, OG, Original Gangster. And Ice-T's whole thing was he had a problem with people who started in the rap genre and then decided to go pop rap to get that mainstream money. He had no problem with Hammer, who started doing that. Like, that's just what he immediately started doing. So, wow. in 1991, following two successful albums and a well-received European tour sponsored by PepsiCo and its international CEO, Christopher Sinclair, who is a couple years away from destroying the Philippines with his Pepsi fever promotion. <laughs> it all comes... It it's all... all co- oh, you it's got all connected. connected here, Steve. Uh, Hammer dropped the MC from his name and released his third album, Too Legit... To, sorry, Too Legit... Too Legit to Quit. There we go. I did it. Too Legit. Too Legit to Quit. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, we did it. Great. Um, <laughs> no, that looked good. That looked good. It looked good. All right. Uh, so he released Too Legit to Quit. Uh, by the way, the title track for that would involve a music video that is today ranked as one of the most expensive ever made. Um, it had like a shit ton of people in it, except Michael Jackson, who was technically in it, but it was a hand glove double. Uh, it was a whole thing. There's a uh, hand glove double? Yeah, for Michael Jackson in that particular video. The music video um, was almost called Too Expensive to Finance. Exactly. Uh, this album would contain what would be his last top 10 hit in the United States ever, a custom-written rap song for the 1991 big-budget film adaptation of The Addams Family, which we are listening to now called Adam's Groove. And that brings us full circle back to Adam's Groove. Now I was cool, cool, and you know, just kicking around the house. What a knock, a knock, a knock, and a voice, yo, can have him come out? Now I don't mind being a friend and showing a little bit of flavor. But Wednesday, Bugsley, Gomez, Festa, man, them some strange neighbors. Oh, you know who's left out of that one? Who? Well, I think I think Hammer's digging Morticia. Well, of course he's digging Morticia. <laughs> We're all digging Morticia. Who doesn't dig Morticia? Every, you're right, Steve. You're right. Every... Oh man! Oh, like that's when like you're uh, you're in a group and you're like calling people out, but the person you like you don't mention their name because if you say it, then maybe they'll think you like them, but you don't want to do that, so you have to not mention them. <laughs> Nick, I feel like you've been in this scenario before. <laughs> that's right. I did have a music video where I could have mentioned Morticia and I did not. Ah, oh, what's up? Hey, you know what? All comes out on the Sontopsy report. All is revealed, and you know what? You're not alone, Nick. We all loved Morticia. <laughs> Yep, I'm that st- was the fun. That was the point of that whole interchange. Starting to feel like Morticia might be a stand-in for something else. Um, the thing I love most, I think, about this decision to make Hammer the go-to guy for our rap song about the Adams family is I don't think the man has ever not worn a primary color, at least in this stage of his career. At this point of his career, he has never not worn 
a primary color and you're putting him in a spooky gothic mansion everyone's wearing black and white but he and his dance dance crew are here and they are wearing purple solid purple solid blue solid pink solid red like and neon neon no doubt like glowing windbreakers (laughs) like i just these things automatically connect in my brain because i am a producer of film and i don't have enough cocaine on me power the thought that would make this real you've and almost enough but not quite somebody's showing a lot of midriff there is that some midriff going on or is that a belt i can't tell with the the guy in the, the it's Nia. the 90s it could be a midriff i wish you know what? my favorite my... 90s game show midriff or <laughs> belt one of these days guys i'm gonna get back to getting a six-pack i want to start rocking some midriff shirts you know where i just like i got the belly button out like what's up Mike, or you said that... go back to rocking midriff shirts. Did I miss that part of your life? Yeah, yeah that hasn't been a thing since like the late 80s, early 90s on, on men when they work out. Just It's time to bring it back, baby. I don't think it is. I'm bringing it back first. It's going to be muscle shirts, and then it's going to be midriff muscle shirts. It's going to be great. Okay, but <laughs> go, going back to the lyrics. So this is establishing that MC Hammer is a resident in the same New Jersey town that the yeah. Adams reside in. Which he's not, because he's a West Coast rapper, but that's neither here nor there. Well, because he says Oaktown kicking it. Uh, Which makes no sense. It's on That's on the West Coast. We're yes. talking about the East Coast. I forgot if the movie establishes where the Adams family actually lives in the context of the 90s movie. It, it does not, but the actual filming location was, of course, Los Angeles. So Okay, so we'll put that as ambiguous. So Hammer lives in this neighborhood. He, the the Adams family, as the consummate hosts that they always are, have obviously invited him into their home. They decapitated him at the very to, top of the music to, video. Yeah, to let their daughter have her way with him. Yeah, but he was fine. His head bounced around and talked. Oh, yes, a his early 90s well, CGI head just bounced around. There's Good a disembodied thing. hand running around doing... Handiwork, I guess. And what? So we got handiwork and hammer work going on. Like, all right, hammer, is this a construction? You know what? It sounds like construction, which makes sense. That's probably why. If you had told me, Steve, that MC Hammer worked late night construction, his wardrobe choices would make a lot of sense. It stands out very noticeably amidst a gothic backdrop. It's like you said, bright primary colors, highly reflective. Um, but not enough to save him in the Adams house, I guess. He didn't I, seem... I also don't like how we glossed over my super hilarious and very Nick-like joke of saying that Thing was the handyman of the Adams family household. This very... I, I, I at least comment on how bad your puns are, Nick. I don't just ignore them completely. Steve, for all the times you besmirch me for explaining a joke, the fact that you, if a joke happens to go by, will stop it to say, no, guys, I won't continue until you appreciate how funny that was. Obviously, you didn't understand it because you're not laughing, so we're going to stop and we're going to talk about it. We need to talk about why we didn't laugh at the funny. Where's well, Let's get the giggles out. Is that right, Steve? It's like... <laughs> it is not a double standard. All right, but see... But, yet- you guys don't laugh at my jokes all the time. <laughs> I nervously laugh at them. Because Steve's doing like damage control in his head. Like, okay, how many listeners will we lose from that one? Uh, but Steve, to your point, yes. So MC Hammer and his crew, who actually I do know are introduced later in the song, um, have been graciously invited into the uh, into the house. Although he has his head at this point. So I wonder if maybe the uh, little spoken word bit at the beginning was actually a little deus ex, or not deus ex machina, in media res, where uh, we find out what happens to him later on. Wait, hold on, let me check. I'm not sure. Hold on, hold on. Yep, the video is directed by Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, that's uh, what yes. happens. <laughs> I heard he was inspired uh, by this music video to make Pulp Fiction. Don't look that up, listeners. No, <laughs> don't believe us. Just so much fake news. I remember the day I needed to ball a little bit of pepper. The next thing you know, coming okay for my chicken. I remember the day. Get that I remember the day I needed to borrow a little bit of pepper. Parentheses for my chicken. What? Well, you don't season your meat, Nick. I you do gotta, season my meat. You gotta just, get something on there. You need a little, a little no. S- Spice it up. I'm not like other white people in that I only season my meat with salt and pepper. I'm just more, it seems odd 
pepper is usually the thing you do have. Like I found there's been times where it's like, oh, I don't have paprika or I don't have turmeric. Like those are the things that you might need to borrow from a neighbor. Who runs out Wait. of pepper? Well, how do you know your neighbor's gonna have turmeric? <laughs> like, oh, I mean that that is an entirely foreign concept in and of itself. The whole notion, the quaint notion of asking your neighbor for like a cup of flour or something. That doesn't. I mean, yeah, he, that doesn't he's really he's also asking for this very mundane kitchen seasoning from his neighbors, the Adams family. I guarantee Grandmama has no idea what salt and pepper are. <laughs> they like anything he gets from that house is going to be made of something weird and probably poisonous to anyone that isn't a member of the family. Do you know what do you know what today's realistic expectations of asking a neighbor for something is is like a gram of weed. Not that I did that the other day, a few days ago. <laughs> but sometimes you just give a little knock. I mean the thing normally people borrow from their neighbors anymore is cable and Wi-Fi, and they don't necessarily ask for that or knock on the door. I also borrowed a wine bottle opener. I got to, I got the best neighbors you could ever have. So, Mike, what you're saying is you have the Adams gram of weed. Dun-dun-dun. Okay, guys, we can't coordinate claps at the beginning of the episode. We're not going to coordinate snaps in the we, middle of the episode. We, in the video, really looked like we got it together. I, feel- I swear there's a delay. That's Steve, you know what? Let's say that's why we didn't laugh at your joke. There must have been a delay. We must have missed it. Okay, I feel better now. Good. All right, so he's MC Hammer, excuse me, Hammer at this point, as Steve has established, is uh, borrowing pepper. A little bit of pepper. The next thing you know, coming in was a hand with the fingers. I stepped Now I try to play it on off. And act like I'm having a ball. But what do I see? A perm with feet. Standing about three feet tall. Oh, that's... um. Cousin It. Cousin It. Yes. But you're right. He is hardcore, like, standing after Morticia. Because now he has mentioned Cousin It and Thing, which means Morticia is the only one he has not mentioned yet. And, and, you know, I bet that won't come up later in the music video in the form of some sort of crazy duel for someone's honor. Oh, my God. You mean when an Academy Award nominated or winning, I forget, actor... Possibly, I don't know, engages in a sword fight with a rapper. Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't sound. I don't right. know. I don't know what that'll. I don't know if that'll happen or not. <laughs> um, I also don't know why he feels the ne- like feels it necessary to specify what he's getting the pepper for. Because like even in the song, he kind of half-heartedly says what he needs it for. He's like, "I'm here to borrow some pepper for some chicken." Yeah, there's already like, there's he- all those early 90s ad lib before Migos really ran with it where he's interjecting little bits and pieces uh, a little bit of pepper for my chicken which is also very relevant to all other future parts of the song as well um, and then later when it says uh, the next thing you know coming at me was a hand with the fingers high step in parentheses I ain't with that which well, I guess is a fair well, assessment fun- you, know, you should think that's funny though because he's high stepping with fingers instead of feet right I mean come on it's like you can't step with fingers also the, that's the video silly the video sorry Mike you're right I'm sorry <laughs> the video <laughs> that's how we laughed at your joke earlier right? yeah, I know <laughs> the the video does not correspond with the lyrics in any way because Hammer seems to be enjoying himself in the company of the Adams family. First, he was a head on a platter, yes. but then he grew half of his body, and now he's spinning around on the table. The Adamses are loving it. He seems to be really getting in, like, vibing with the whole family at this point. So I don't know why he's got such a problem with Thing and Cousin It in the actual lyrics. You're right. Does not match. <clears throat> it's the not fun because juxtaposition. He, he, <laughs> I don't know. Let's find out. I feel like we're going to find more out. But what do I see? Yo, a perm with feet. Standing about feet, feet tall. I'm out of here. They do what they want to do. Say what they want to say. Live how they want to live. Play how they want to play. Dance how they want to dance. Dick and they stop a friend. They do what they want to do. Say what they want to say. Live how they want to live. Play how they want to play. Dance how they want to dance. Dick and they stop a friend. The one thing that I do... I guess appreciate about this slash makes me nostalgic is just not only when there was a move when there's a theme tie in song to a movie, but when you could tell they added like an extra day or two of shooting to have the original cast and crew shoot the artist with the actors in the music video. Like the fact that MC hammer and like Christopher Lloyd are just chilling next to each other. Like warms my heart. Yeah. Raul Julia, Christopher Lloyd, 
MC Hammer. The, <clears throat> these are these are comedy heavyweights. You gotta have full cast shoots, but you don't anymore. No, but you should. Yes. And everyone thinks it's fine. Just throw in the stand-ins, throw in the extras, throw in the body doubles. But you need your actors to connect on a level. To the shitty rap song music video that they're going to play. Yeah, because you need to know their smell. You need to know what they look like. You need you to, know need to how smell they act. your co-stars. You know what? You 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 highly underranked the 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 sense of smell. If you don't <laughs> yeah, think, it as has... you've always stated, I'm known. One of my big things is I'm known <laughs> yeah. for always underestimating the sense of smell. You've are got you me. T- are you telling me, Nick? You've never seen a couple of dogs. Both seem fine, and then they sniff each other, and then all hell breaks loose. There's something. There's an underlying layer. Of, you know, personality that, that comes through the sense of smell. I believe it. The, the olfactory is the pathway to the satisfactory. Ooh. I've always believed that as an otolaryngologist. <laughs> By the way, guys, I'm also a... You guys didn't know that. I'm an ear, nose, and throat doctor. I'm sorry. I, did, I didn't say that before until now. <laughs> this is just um, your side hustle. Yeah. Now, lend, lending credence to both Nick's opinion and Mike's opinion, which I am loath to lend credence to either of your opinions usually, <laughs> is the fact that the music video actually uh, screened in front of the movies and theaters. Which, I, I, I read that fact too, and I think that would annoy me so much. Like, I don't want to see parts of the movie spoiled immediately before I'm about to watch it. Oh, yeah, so- get real! Get- okay. <laughs> what? No, no, no. All right, no. Or, or Nick, I am learning that you and I are one and the same. It's one of the two. Either fuck you or we're one and the same. That's <laughs> so. I hate trailers. I hate trailers. I don't like them. Like if I hear a movie's coming out and it sounds good to me, great. And then all of a sudden, about two weeks before the movie comes out, they come out with like. Three different trailers that show me, oh, like every goddamn part of the movie. And I'm like, I don't need to see. I already was going to see the movie. Mike. Like, why are you showing me this? So the difference between these is trailers give you the option to see if you want to sell the movie to yourself. When you've already paid for a ticket and are sitting in the theater, they've won. You got my money. I'm watching the movie. I don't want to see it advertised to me immediately before I'm about to watch it. So, Nick, fair. So, are you telling me that you avoid trailers before the movie comes out? It depends. Or do you share the trailer, Nick? Or do you avoid, <laughs> do you avoid like, when, say, you are excited to see Spider-Man in the theaters, and then accidentally a week before you watch the music video for Hero featuring Chad Kroger and Josie Scott, where you watch the Green Goblin get impaled on his own Goblin Glider as part of the footage shown in said movie, and you're like, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> that happens. Not me, though. Not me, though, because I, you know, I already knew that happens to the Green Goblin, so I, I assumed that was going to happen. But other people were probably very upset. Nick, that's... Nick, Steve, you both have, have shown me <laughs> some hard truths that the music videos reveal more than the trailers. If they wanted to put the music video, like after. in this case, at the end, like after you stay through the credits, you get to see the fun little... That's usually what they would do for like the VHS version of something. They would always have like the trailer or the music video at the end. Yeah, they should have played the music video with the credits like scrolling on the right-hand side of the screen. Like that is where you get... Because everyone loves that. I don't know about you guys. If I see anything that gives a hint... That there's going to be more footage, I'll stay seated until I think it's done. I, I don't know. I I think for me personally, I would be more upset at the tonal shift in what I just watched. Like if I was just like, man, the Adams family, what a great movie! Really got the Adams family. What the hell is this? <laughs> Why is everyone dressed in windbreakers? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but Steve, I do believe there is at least one new verse of new lyrics. At least one new verse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
thinking about the Adams, you know the hammer is with it. Act a fool, no balls, swoop, goofy and Randy, you know we kick it up. Okay, that was what I pre- I appreciate that was MC Hammer, excuse me, Hammer, uh shouting out the member his backing band slash dance group. I don't I guess posse is what he calls it. And their names are Act a Fool, No Bones, Swoop, Goofy, and Randy. I love that Randy's just like, dude. Just, just me. Just, I'm just Randy. Just, just, I'm Randy. I am just Randy. Just call me Randy. God. Just... I don't need nothing special. <laughs> and I know a lot of times, like, performer names or stage names come from either, like, inside jokes or something that developed over time. I almost don't ever want to know how you get the nickname Act a Fool, No Bones, Swoop, and Goofy, and Randy, especially if Randy is not your actual name. Yeah, my name's actually Billiam. <laughs> I changed it to Randy when I got into when I got into show business. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I appreciate the the shout out of the Windbreakers, as I will call this section of the song. Shout out of the Windbreakers, the sequel to Last of the Mohegans. Act a fool. What you what you think you need to do? Real foolish to be acting a fool. Uh, agree to be in this music video. Yeah, in the nineties, I don't know. They're already kind of doing it. No, the hammer is with it. Act a fool, no balls. Swoop. And Randy, you know, we kick it up. Now is the time to get in your mind. It's okay to be yourself. yourself. Take foolish pride and put it aside like the Adams. Yo, they did. That's a family. They do what they want to do. What a lovely moral uh, to put at the end of your song. A, that's a family. Like, that's a family. And, you, that, and that's the overall theme of the Adams family. Is just I thought Adams Groove uh, was the overall theme of the Adams family. Uh, <laughs> It is it, the Adams family are there to show that no matter your your how your family is designed or <sighs> the the members therein, it's okay to be yourself. And it's like they're everyone's happy. Everyone in the Adams family, in their own way, are happy people. They don't concern themselves with how other people view them, which is a very nice thing to try to do. None of us are ever, ever good at it, but we that should at is, least try to do it. That is, ooh, I mean, look, I know happy. <laughs> okay. Great guy. But gives me a great deal on weed. <laughs> I would say, Steve, to a degree, maybe, maybe you're right. Actually, sometimes, as they say, the most happiest among us are the most sad, which is very bizarre, right? And the most, And the most sad... Are sometimes the most misunderstood, in which they could be quite happy with just a quick little change of understanding from those around them. You know? Like, but Wednesday is, oh, and I keep coming back to Wednesday. You're just really stuck on Wednesday Adams. Because Wednesday Adams torments. She is the, the, um, the, not the, well, maybe the match, the, the match, the, the flint. Of chaos. Like, the kids get in trouble. And they like causing the chaos within the home to the unsuspecting visitors that come to the Adams family home. Am I wrong on that? I know a lot of it just happens. Like, they got a lot of artifacts, a lot of things with minds of their own. Uncle Fester's out of his goddamn mind. He's just doing what he likes to do. He doesn't give a shit. He does what he wants to do. Says what he wants to say. Plays how he wants to... uh, Whatever it is. But you see, you got Morticia and Gomez. And I want to say Gomez specifically. Like, he is so inviting. He's so... No, Morticia too. The Both of them. Very open. They see people that are coming to visit. And they're like, please come in. We got this home. It's so lovely to have you. And they are, you know, the most norm they can be. Except, like, they're not shy. They're not gonna. They're not hiding anything. But then when stuff starts getting a little crazy and the people get freaked out, and they're like, well, what's their problem? It's because it's... Should I stop blaming the kids? So I guess, Tell, me I'm I guess, wrong. Tell me I'm wrong on the kids, Steve. I guess I'm... in terms of this adaptation, what you could say is that Wednesday Adams is the only member of the family that in some small way, even if she doesn't admit it out loud, has a problem with how other people see her family in the way that like a preteen or a teenage girl could probably would probably be very astute on like she probably is the only one who actually has a problem with the problem other people have and that's why she acts out i steve you know what 
this is this. I is, didn't know we'd be talking about the psychology of the Adams family this, individual members no, today. But, but this is beautiful, Steve. I think you really hit the nail on the head. And I and I hope I hope any any angsty teens out there that might be listening to our podcast can can think to themselves for a moment that just maybe as oblivious as their parents appear on the outside by maintaining this. You know, if they got some parents that are a little wacky doodle and people say like mean things about them, that in reality, their parents are well aware of what's being said about them and they just don't care. And that it's not about being oblivious, but so much as being just accepting of themselves, not caring, and still being accepting to those who are filled with hate and shade. Because they don't understand until they do understand, in which they hope that there is a bit of love that can be found within these neighbors and new people coming in. When they finally get it. Because I feel like when you finally get the Adams Family, you love the Adams Family. But MC Hammer is still decapitated. And also, Steve, I love I love your comment. Uh, also, when you said Wednesday, Adam acts out, which works great because in the music video, she throws an axe at MC Hammer, who is strapped. What to are a you table. doing in my house? You don't belong here. She literally acts out. It, it's great. Uh, but oh my god, he doesn't. He can't miss one. <laughs> Neither could Wednesday. She hit him. Uh, so when. <laughs> But, but Mike, yes, I would say it's a beautiful sentiment. And actually, a, a part of me was going to say you're adding more meaning to this song than MC Hammer was. But actually, he does kind of hit on those notes at the end of this. It's okay to be yourself. Take foolish pride. Set it aside. Like the Adams Family, yo. They deaf, parentheses. That's a family. Wednesday's trying to protect her family, and they're like, don't worry about it. We're going to be fine. Also, I'm pretty sure that was the TV guide blurb. That's a family? That- the at they deaf, that's a family. <laughs> like the Adams, yo. Um, now I know for the most part the latter half of the song is just the yeah. course being repeated, but I so do the course, Yeah. The one oh, sorry, scene I do have to watch in this, which we can maybe describe to the viewer or not the viewers, they can't see, to the listeners. Oh, they're too legit. And- oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Right here. Yeah, yeah. Just like that. Oh, yeah. You know, you got to feel this thing. Okay, so it, yeah. in the storyline of the music video, uh, MC Hammer is macking on Morticia a little bit too much to the point where Gomez challenges him to a duel and they engage in a sword fight in a cemetery. That's that's love there, Nick. <laughs> while, at the Some, same, uh, while at the same time, every member of the Adams family is dancing, I guess that's the word, to the song? Like, Lurch is quote-unquote dancing. I guess. Thing is dancing. And I'm pretty sure the, the the crew, the guy in the crew who's dancing with Thing is probably No Bones, because he's oh, very flexible. The, yes. Quite flexible. He looks flexible. like a contortionist. Yeah, he's, sir, he's contorting up, picking his body up on his hands and just fingering around. So is Thing. Yes. <laughs> Thing's always picking his body up with his hands. <laughs> Uh, but yes, that is my favorite part of the video. It's like, oh, you know what? At this, okay, here's here's the idea. And, and I'm sorry, hammer. You're gonna can you can you fence? Did you learn fencing? You didn't. Okay, that's no problem. So you and Raul <laughs> Julia are gonna fence each other. Oh boy, <laughs> it's okay. We'll we'll rehearse for like an hour before we shoot the music video. It'll be fine. I I do without without being snarky. I do honestly love that part of the video. But you know who didn't love. That part of the video, or the video itself, or the song. Um, Who? That that would be the esteemed folks at the Golden Raspberry Awards Committee. Ah, uh, the Razzies. So, Ooh. for those of you not in the know, uh, the Razzies are an quote-unquote award 
given out to the worst that cinema has to offer on a yearly basis. Um, the song Adam's Groove, for instance, would win the 19, quote-unquote, win the 12th annual Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Original Song. To give you some context, the song Howard the Duck didn't win the award. Howard the Duck! Vanilla Ice and Ted Nugent had been nominated before and didn't win. In fact, I believe Vanilla Ice was nominated the same year as Adam's Groove because Vanilla Ice's movie Cool as Ice had come out, which, oh my God, if you haven't Mm -hmm. seen that, listeners. So this won this award for Terrible Songs, an award that not even Ted Nugent in all of his awfulness could have won, quote-unquote. That's shocking. This is a fun song. Why do they hate hate fun? Because it's just, I don't know. I think it's just because the the movie that it's attached to, it just doesn't fit the movie. It may extol the virtues of the movie in the lyrics, but... Aesthetically is not aesthetically is Aesthetic! not is not as is not quite oh, there. No, uh, for I mentioned for additional little... context, by the way, for additional context, two years later, the song written for the sequel, Adam's Family Values, would also win the Golden Raspberry Award song? for worst original song. That was oh my uh, god! That song was made by the Whoop There It Is guys tag team. And it was an Adam's Family theme remix of Whoop, There It Is. That's, well, that probably was bad. Was that bad? Called Adam's, like, Adam's Family Whoop or something like that. Ah, clever name. Uh, yeah, I, I gotta say, Womp though. Whoop Family! Whoop Family! Uh, how I, have, I, I, I so uh. much didn't care about it, I didn't bother to even bring it for us to listen to. I will say, though, I've seen Adam's Family Values more frequently and more recently, and that movie is mwah, fantastic. Uh, also, an addendum to a previous episode, Wild Wild West holds the distinction of not only winning the award, but also being the sole nominee of its category of its year. <laughs> I think I that... mentioned when we talked about Wild Wild West that it had won the award. I didn't mention the fact that it was the only nominee that year. <laughs> But you know what's depressing? The Razzies don't even have this as a category anymore because the concept kind of died out of like the worst movie tie-in theme. They did. They they actually after Wild Wild West in 1999, they retired the award. They brought it back <laughs> out special in 2002 for not yet a not a girl, not yet a woman for Crossroads. Oh, oh. Britney Spears' movie. <laughs> yeah, they brought it out of retirement for that song and then re-retired it. <laughs> now. <clears throat> Did they retire it because they thought it was mean to give someone an award for being terrible? Oh, no. no they, I, they still have worst on-screen couple, worst actor, worst actress, worst special effects. They still do everything else. Oh, okay. They were just running... Like, people weren't making songs for movies anymore. Guys, I think that's what we need to do. What? We need to make more... We need to make more songs about movies. You, me, and Steve? That's it. There we go. Santos Studios. Can I just, make, can I just make the movie first? Can I do the movie part first? Oh, yeah. Make your movie, but at least, like, let's get the song figured out first, right? <laughs> you want to make a movie about a song? <laughs> and then do a movie, a music tie in. Wow. And then we'll get David Lynch to direct it. It's going to be great. Where did it start? <laughs> is it right now? Are we in it? Oh, God. Is this the movie? Okay. Uh, but yes, but that's it. Yeah, that, that's the Adams fan. That's Adams Groove by Hammer. What a shame! This was his last big hit, right? It's like this was his last. Song. This was this, this was his last top ten hit. He ever. went bankrupt five years later, I think. Oh my God! Wait, how did Hammer go bankrupt? Oh man, he did not spend money well. Oh, he he like he had. A whole lot of overhead because he had a lot. He had like a personal staff, and he had like uh, his own label still at the time. So he had like a lot of like staff overhead. He was paying a, for a bunch of people's jobs. Um, he was buying a bunch of stuff, and then his career sort of declined, and he wasn't making as much money. But he had all that stuff. He got taken to court uh, for debts, and the IRS went after him. It was a whole thing. God. He should have became a Scientologist. That's the only way to escape the IRS. He, he didn't, but he Can't did get us. back. Do, 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 do. Do. Can't do, audit do. us. Do, do, do. He <laughs> did get back into, after he sorted everything out mostly, he did get back into his first 
uh, musical foray, which was, I didn't mention before all this, he was into Christian music. So he is a, he actually became ordained. He's an ordained minister. Yes. And he got into making, making uh, more uh, like Christian music. You don't yeah. say, you know what, I'll tell you this much. As much as people want to hate Christianity, boy, the music makes you feel real nice inside. You know, just like, just this warm feeling that comes over. Sending up to God, saying everything's gonna be all right. Yeah, you know? <laughs> they do what they want to do. Pray where they want to pray. He becomes most Christian hammer. That's what it stands for. Most Christian hammer. Oh, I love it. I love. <laughs> Nick, you should be his rebranding PR person. I think he's fine. <laughs> also, I don't think you want to necessarily be employed by Hammer. No. If past experience is any indicator. Uh, but, Steve, thank you so much for doing the research and for bringing this to all of our collective attentions. Yes, I I, I figured it would be... T- it was time. It deserved its own episode in our Halloween bouillabaisse of our Halloween gumbo episodes this month. This was This was a real treat. I love the Adams Family in the Halloween spirit. And also, I don't know, I felt I felt a tight connection to this family for a little bit during this episode, I gotta say. Especially Morticia, am I right? Ooh, Morticia! Hey, now. Uh, but what would also be a treat is for all of you wonderful listeners to follow us on social media, uh, leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts if you have not done so already. And you can also follow me personally on my Twitter and Instagram. Just look for Nick Brigadier. I am sure to pop up. And uh, Mr. Mike Russell, where can we find you? You can find me on my Instagram at MrMikeRussell.com. That's MrMR.D-O-T. Uh, won't be a whole lot of action outside of the apartment being on quarantine for 14 days. I guess I should... He's, uh, <laughs> listeners, as of this recording, he's fine. He just happened to have a personal trainer who tested positive. Can Mike, you have you got Have you gotten tested that? yet? I did get tested. I got immediately tested when I found out about it. And do you know what they tell you, Nick? It's amazing. They tell you, well, positive or negative, you're under quarantine for 14 days. Well, you and have if to have it a, comes a successful... back positive, it gets reduced to 10 days. How how crazy is that? Isn't that funny? I mean, they. I believe they have to like you have to get like a, a series of negative tests before you're in the clear light because it shows up. Because again, it's a choose your own adventure disease. It shows up and then it goes away. And then it shows up again. And then it goes away. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's here. Maybe it's there. But not to worry the folks. I've survived COVID once. Why not get it a and second time? And much more dangerous things. <laughs> uh, but I'm asymptomatic. I feel fine. So, But I am staying low uh, to protect those around me until I figure out what is going on. Uh, we don't even need to put this in. I don't know. But just let no, me know. I think know. the listeners <laughs> want to know what is happening and that you are okay. I'm fine. Uh, yeah, and then, so, uh, but yeah, like Nick said, you know, give us the ratings, reviews, five stars, preferably on Apple Podcasts, look at the DapperDevilProductions.com website, and why don't you tell us who you relate most to on the Adams Family? Are oh, you more that's a good of a Wednesday? One. Are you a Pugsley? Do you love your wife like Gomez, you know? Or husband, Mike, you know? Or husband, you know what? You're right. Husband, wife, it doesn't matter. Do you like, are, are you more of a Morticia or a Gomez in the bedroom? Let us know. Or <laughs> if you feel inclined. Uh, oh, oh, you're right, Nick. For all the asexual people out there, I suppose the bedroom isn't the place to go. But then you're more of a cuddle person. You know, I don't... <laughs> uh, Steve, where can we find you? Oh, you can find me listening to Mike's new podcast, uh, Human Sexuality with Mike Russell. <laughs> Um, and uh, while I'm listening to that, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at your man Trollo, and on my website stephentrollger.com and all of our dapple. God, I do this oh, every dapples. time. Dapple Dever, Dapple Dever, <laughs> Dapper Devil Productions materials. I want a bot for dapples right now. <laughs> what a fun <laughs> Halloween activity! Uh, and on that note, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I'm Nick Brigadier. I'm Mike Russell. And I'm going to go see if I can light up a light bulb in my mouth. (laughs) And we'll see you next week. Take care.